Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. We are here to be a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members helping facilitate worship ministry in the local church. My name is Dave, and I'm here with my friend Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how is it going? Hey, pretty good, I think. I don't know. It's it's been a long day, to be honest. Has it? Yeah, but uh, I'm here now in the the WMC studios. WMC. as, As we like to call it. And I'm doing okay. I'm I'm doing good now. So, uh, how about yourself? I'm doing good. Mondays are always hard for me too. Yeah, you get you get off a of Sunday and you're ready to just go <laughs> curl up in the fetal position for a while. Right. Which and, uh, actually, that's an interesting thing because a lot of pastors that I know, people who work in church, take Mondays off um, for that very reason. Me, however, I don't know. It's kind of a personal thing. I figure if I'm going to be like totally you know, not, not having a good day. I might as well be at the church where, (laughs) but you know, like I might, I might as well be at the church where I can maybe get some, some things done and try to, you know, renew my spirits a little bit rather than be at home and be like a total pain to my wife. Yeah. Give the wife a break. Yeah. She doesn't want me on a Monday. The issue for me with taking Mondays off is then you never have two days off in a row. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even better. Right. Cause you got what Saturday and then you have Sunday and then Mon- it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so it's just like you don't, you know, you need more than one 24-hour block to restore mm. yourself. So that's why I take Fridays and Saturdays off. But you, you take Wednesday and Thursday? Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. Yeah, we have Saturday night service, so we work, okay. most of us work a full day on Saturday. Got it, got it. But hey, we're not here to talk about what days <laughs> off we take. We're actually here to talk about more important things. Uh, particularly this episode, we're going to deal with conflict and we're going to deal with criticism uh, within being a worship pastor and having a worship team. Yeah, aside from the actual planning and running of the worship ministry, this is the biggest thing I think everyone will deal with throughout their worship ministry. Yeah, but before we get there, you might remember a couple weeks ago, uh, David shared uh, kind of a, a funny story about me when he was... Uh, first at, at Multnomah doing some student choir teaching and uh, the story about me and asking me to raise my eyebrows and I couldn't raise my eyebrows. So I was thinking, racking my brain, and we were even talking a little earlier about a funny story from um, about David. And I was reminded of this one time we were at a church in Yakima with Multnomah Bible College and uh, we Which were, Yakima is in Washington, just yeah. in case you're not from Washington. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I, I kind of said that like everyone <laughs> knows where Yakima is. Yeah, Yakima is in Washington, and they actually are one of the nation's leading suppliers of apples. Isn't that correct? I'm guessing since Washington is the apple state. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is because one of my friends owned, his dad owns one of the apple farms, and it's gigantic. Anyway, doesn't matter. Here it is. So we're in Yakima at a church and uh we're you know we're both in the the band uh the choir band David's playing piano I'm playing backup keys you know we have a drummer bass player and uh, it, it, we're doing prelude music before the choir actually takes stage uh you know and we've been doing this for we we've been on choir tour for 
what, like six or seven days now? Yeah, it's towards the end of the tour. And we're, you know, all of us are tired of playing the same stupid prelude songs and the same stupid prelude music. So David, he just starts kind of shouting out chords, you know, he's like, C, A minor, F, G, you know. and I think I was doing like one, four, five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the normal <laughs> logical progressions. But, you know, just something a little different. And, and you know, uh, all of us were kind of taking turns soloing over it, noodling over it. And, uh, you know, we're just re- – anyway, our, our choir director comes up to David. During the prelude. During the prelude. While we're all playing. <laughs> while we're playing. And, and she's, D- David, what song is that? Is that a Christian song? <laughs> and <laughs> David's like, I don't think so. Not yet. And then he but started. I didn't say that out loud. You know, I said say, that to myself <laughs> in my head. And then he starts. He starts trying to figure out how to like play. Um, he starts trying to put Christian songs into the chord pattern that we're playing. And pretty soon, I I I hear this this uh this little light of mine. And he start he starts like putting this in. And then we all start getting in the act and trying to figure out what Christian songs can we put in this chord progression. I forgot about and, that. And so we're all taking turns around they're trying to come up with uh, different Christian songs. And wasn't there one point where I actually tried to play the uh, Super Mario Brothers theme in it? I'm sure there was. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was a while ago, but that was pretty funny because um, it's just that whole, wait, David, is this a Christian song? As if only Christian music can glorify God. Yeah. and Especially my- <laughs> music with no words. <laughs> but my favorite part was the, you know, the, the, well, no, not yet, but give me a minute. I'll make it a Christian song. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Anyway, so, so there's my funny story about David. And like I said, we're, we're here not to talk about our days off and not to talk about funny stories, though those are fun. Uh, we are here to talk today about... Uh, criticism and conflict that you might experience in inside your worship team and inside your worship ministry. And I got to start off by saying people and churches can be mean. Yeah. Just flat out mean. What's the deal? Yeah. You know, for being the body of Christ, you think there'd be a little bit more understanding <laughs> yeah. grace, you know, let's help each other out. Let's think about the other people. Let's, you know, do what Jesus taught and you know, right. love your neighbor as yourself. No, but, but, you know, I, I think, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm too optimistic here. I'd like to give. You can be the optimist. Okay, I'll be, I'll be the pessimist. Yeah, you go ahead and be cynical. I'll try, I'll try <laughs> to err on the side of grace here because I'd like to think that at like at their hearts, people um, that that we run into, you know, every Sunday who who want to share uh, what went wrong with the service or what they didn't like. Boy, part of me really hopes and would like to think that they're doing it with the best intentions. They just maybe don't know. Uh, how they're coming across. I'd say a lot of them are. Yeah. There are certainly some who aren't. There are some who are um, playing the pessimist again. Uh. There are some, <laughs> but there are some who, and, and it's not necessarily an evil thing. It's not necessarily a super bad thing, but I think that, you know, when they come up and like in my last church, they'd come up and say, well, we're not doing enough hymns. And I got that almost every Sunday. Ouch. And um, we were actually doing, you know, two or three hymns in, in and the service. And it wasn't enough? No. Wow. But it was a blended service, okay. so it wasn't supposed to be all hymns. But they'd still come up and say, we're not doing enough hymns. And I think that the reason they do that, one of the one of the senior pastors I talked to at one point, he said, you know, mu- people are always tied to the music of their youth. Hmm. And so these people had some worship experience at some point in time, probably close to their conversion. And a lot of the hymns is what they were singing at that time. So they are connected to that because of their 
their spiritual conversion because it's the music of their youth. And so they just want to be experiencing that more often than they are currently. So, so kind of, kind of like tradition almost dictates uh, what perhaps progressive uh, forward, you know, forward worship thinking might, might lend itself to. And, um, I, and I think, I think that's the universal, universal problem. Uh, who, gosh, who was I talking to? Um, I think it's one of my friends. I can't remember who, but, but, uh, that, that's right. I was talking to, um, uh, oh, Daniel, Daniel Nordstrom, uh, who went to Multnomah, a friend of mine. And if you're listening, Daniel, I hope, I hope I can use your name. Um, <laughs> Dan Nordstrom, like the one that's pastoring a church in Longview? No. Oh, di- yeah, different, different one. one. Yeah, different. Uh, I, I think actually he's working at Multnomah, uh, right now in the library, which is where I used to work. Anyway, uh, that's not the point. Sorry, <laughs> getting off track. So I'm talking with Daniel Nordstrom, and and uh, we're we're dialoguing. We used to talk about these things, and 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 I would say, hey man, like, do you think in 20 or 30 years, I'm going to be one of those people who who wants the Chris Tomlin songs and the Passion songs and the Hill songs that that I've been singing for the last five years, or do you think I'm going to be in 30 years? Do you think I'm going to be open? enough to embrace whatever new style worship is coming out there? I, I don't know. That's something I've thought about, too. And I, uh, Actually, I was talking to our youth pastor about it on Sunday. It's like, how long am I going to be relevant yeah. in worship? Because at some point, I have to think that I'm probably going to lean more towards what I know than what I want to learn when it comes to music. Maybe not. I hope I don't. Right. But, and, and, you know, this this could even this topic could even be like an entire uh, episode if we wanted. It could. You know, talking about the role of change and the role of being relative. We should we should Tradition. write this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tevia. Man, he would be so proud of us right now. Um, one of my friends played Tevia in a high school production. Really? Fiddler on the Roof. Ken Dunn. Ken, if you're listening, I hope I can use your name. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just being stupid. But now. all that to say, you know, that I think that the reason people often will criticize what you're doing is because that they are wanting to have this worship experience, yep. this worship connection, and they haven't had it probably, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years. And so they're just desperately craving what they used to know and what they used to worship with. Right. And so, so they want to criticize, and they think that criticism is going to be the best way to bring about <laughs> yes. what they want. Because I receive it so well. Yeah. Okay, so, so here it is, David. Um, whether or not people are being malicious, you know, maybe, maybe they have good intentions, maybe they're just being jerks. The point is they're still being critical, and sometimes, sometimes it's mean, sometimes it hurts, even those who have the best intentions. Here's the big question. What do you do? Well, one of the things that I do, and and praise the Lord, this isn't a problem as much here as it has been at my last church. Yeah. Um, so, but at Calvary, we had these. This this is fantastic. We had these little cards in the pews that that were little, just little comment cards. No, they were appreciation cards. Oh, okay. So they'd say they said right at the top of them, they say, "I want to appreciate you for," and then it said dot dot dot, and then it was blank. Okay. And then there was something on the bottom about encouraging one another, and you know the Timothy thing. And so the, the Timothy yeah. thing. <laughs> so you're supposed to write a word of encouragement to people. You're supposed to say, you know, I want to appreciate you for this or that, and then give it to them. More often than than not, I got this card with criticism on it. So it's like, I want to appreciate you for the drums are too loud, or 
I, I want to appreciate you for not doing enough hymns. Or you're like, I'm sorry. Did you miss the uh, the title? The, those uh, those five operative words right before. Oh, that's funny. So so anyway, that's just kind of a funny funny criticism. But we'd get these cards, and I think Mike or Galen, my senior pastor at my last church, said. And I'm sure they heard it from somebody else, but if it doesn't have a name on it, then don't even read it. Just throw it away. Huh. Because if they're not willing to communicate with you, if they're not willing to share with you a little bit more about why they're making the criticism, then it's not really worth paying attention to. Now, now here's a question because I can hear some people uh, who say, well, you know, even anonymous criticism can be, you know, can be potentially helpful. So... So here's the question, and I'm not, you know, maybe, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, maybe I'm stirring the hornet's nest. I don't know, but do do you think it's possible that even in those anonymous critical things that you can pull stuff out of it, or do you think it's a total throwaway? I think that there might be something you could pull out of it, and I actually always read them. Yeah, but but you got to really look to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to really try to find something. To pull well, you got to try, got to try to find something. I, one of the things, if it was a recurring theme, like if I got four or six cards a week about everything being too loud, then I would start to maybe think, oh, well, maybe there's actually a problem with the sound being too loud. Maybe it's loud, <laughs> and so it would start to investigate that, yeah. or you know, so there there can be some benefit. You do want the worship experience to be uh, enjoyable by the majority of your people. And and that brings up another um, another facet to this whole thing about, you know, getting getting criticism as a worship team or as a worship leader. Um, and this is what we were what we were talking about before we hit the record button. Um, we were we were mentioning this idea that every every single person experienced worship in different ways. And that's one of the unique challenges of being part of of a music ministry or part of a worship ministry. So are you saying that somebody could be worshiping by criticizing? <laughs> well, I hadn't really thought of it that way, oh, but I, sorry. I, I suppose someone might just really have that gift of criticism. <laughs> um, you know, no. What, what I was saying though is that there's there's that unique challenge for us as musicians because our role, you know, our job, if you want to say it. Is is to every you know every Sunday to meet those needs of of people in our church to meet that need so that they experience Jesus Christ in a real and fresh and authentic way. And what do you do when every single person in your church experiences Jesus different ways? How you know how do you possibly how do you possibly relate you know cross cross generationally cross demographically to to an entire church? And the answer is you can't. And that's where this whole criticism comes in because people have these different ideas of what they think worship should be, you know. And, and there's that whole there's that whole adage of you know everyone thinks that they're right and and they got it all figured out. Um, but but what do you do? You know what do you do when you have uh, a church body that you're trying to minister to and you're trying to you're you're trying to lead to the presence of Jesus Christ in a real way. But they're meeting Jesus in in different ways. Well, and that's that's a very very common question. I think a lot of us are probably asking. Yeah. And um, the thing that I've come to, and this is kind of getting a little bit off topic, but um, 
the thing that I've kind of come to is that who's your target audience? You know, mm. are you, first of all, obviously our audience is God. So everything we've got to do in the worship service has to glorify God. It can't be that can't be pandering to one person or to one group of people. Cause then you're just trying to make one person happy. And I don't, I don't think that's glorifying God. I think you're just trying to make a person happy. Yeah. But, um, but by, you know, identify your target audience. And then I, th- Ideally, I've always thought that the more mature people in the faith in the church should be a little bit more understanding hmm. about why we need to do a little bit more contemporary music to reach a new generation. Of course, that doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Unfortunately. But, but you just, you would hope and you would think that, oh, well, you know, I remember when I was young, when I was a, when I was a teenager and I heard these songs and they connected me to God emotionally and then I you know they played some role in my salvation something or other this or that and so you know I can see how that was important for me I see that it's going to be important for the youth of today and I'm going to have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of my preferences to be able to allow that to happen but it doesn't always happen it doesn't and so go and that leads us back to that idea when when you get criticism you know how how do you handle it and and for me um, you know, I, I think I think you mentioned the idea like you got to just develop tough skin. You know, you, you got to be kind of thick, um, and and certainly I think there there's a part there's a part of me when when I get criticism when I have people who say you know whatever uh, you said drums too loud or or not enough hymns, uh, which I think a lot of um, a lot of worship leaders out there are probably getting those exact same comments because of the same reasons we've been talking about tradition. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But for me, um, you know, realizing that that there are pros and cons to to every side, and and even even those anonymous, even those anonymous uh, critical statements, ha- there there might be some merit in it. There might there most definitely probably is merit in it, and we have to be humble enough as worship leaders to be able to, and we also have to be you know wise enough to be able to look past some of the emotion of the criticism yes and to try and find the truth that's in there and and david i think you totally hit the nail on the head humility humble and, you know there's a part of me as a worship leader like i want to be the best i want to be the best worship leader out there i want to be a, as absolutely relevant and authentic and and lead just the most inspiring worship services ever and imaginable and and of course you know i'm being a little uh, dramatic here because that's that's not possible that that's not going to be um you know the case every week but i want to aspire towards that right and so when i get those critical remarks it, it's almost like a personal attack it feels like you so failed yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, and it feels almost painful it, it feels like you know and, and there's that part that says well gosh you know don't you know how hard i try like th- don't you know how much time every week i spend trying to make this service the best i can be and all you can say is too loud too much drums not enough hymns and it hurts and but when we when we stop for a second and when we humble ourselves get past the emotions like you said i think it takes on a whole new light John Maxwell says that as leaders, you have to learn to delay your emotions. <laughs> I like that. And so, um, and he he's talking about something a little bit different. But you have to you have to maintain yourself as a leader, not to not to put on a front, not to put on a facade like we talked about last week. But you still have to maintain yourself as a leader, and then 
you know, there may be times when it's appropriate for you to show some kind of emotion back to people when they when they do something like this to you, and there may not be, and you need to deal with the emotions later. Yeah. But um, so so one of the things you have to do is you have to develop thick skin when you're in worship, when you're dealing with music, when you're dealing with creativity, when you're dealing with creative people, when you're dealing with the arts, you are going to get criticism, especially even among worship people, because creative people probably have the biggest opinions about creativity and they're going to be the first to say something back to you about it. Exactly. So you have to develop tough skin. One of the th- one of the things that I've done over the years, if I got a comment with a name or if someone came up and, and said something to me personally, then I would try and take that criticism head on and okay. just and go can attack you, it. Can you give an example? Okay, so um, there was a lady at our last church, and uh, she was she was speaking for a lot of people, oh. wanting to have hymns and. Um, at first, I was like, "Oh, you're just another one of those people. You just want more hymns, you know, and you're just using the the numbers of other people to back your story to give you a little bit more force with your statement and 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 whatnot." But she she talked to me again, so she pursued me again. I said, "Well, let's meet. And let's talk about it." So we got together and talked about it, and I asked her some 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 tough questions about hymns. I defined what a hymn was because a lot of times what what they think are hymns are actually gospel songs. They're not hymns, you know. Right. They they want more Gaither songs. Well, those aren't hymns, you know. I, I want what's in that red hymnal. Oh, is everything in the hymnal a hymn? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no. no. Right. <laughs> so, so we talked, and I just, I just kind of head on said, asked her some tough questions about, well, how would you define a hymn? What is it exactly that you are wanting me to do that you think would help help some of this do? And we actually came to a conclusion that you know these people. They've given up a lot worship style wise, and they just they want a hymn played in the style of a hymn sung out of the hymnal. So we gave up one of the hymns at the other in the other part of the service, and after the choir sang, well, we had the choir's traveling music be a hymn that people sang out of the hymnal, mm. and and it was a compromise. I wasn't thrilled about it, but a, but at least. She she knew that I was taking her seriously. Yeah. She understood a lot more from my side of of the fence. Well, a lot of the things that I'm dealing with, a lot of things I'm trying. I was trying to make a blended service. I was trying to make a service that would reach the new people as well as be a worship experience for the people who are already coming. And we just got to have a, a dialogue about this. But if I had just let her just fall off the face of the earth, then then there wouldn't have ever been any further discussion. There wouldn't have been any compromise. Right. And and so there's there's that part where you have to you have to kind of take uh take these things seriously. You know, yeah, you know, have the tough skin and realize that sometimes you gotta delay your emotions. You gotta be a leader first, but you also need to take some of these things um to heart. And I, I, I love that example, David, because you know, saying, hey there, there's some validity in what you have to say, and maybe we can make some kind of a compromise, even if it's not something that that I'm personally excited about. Uh, and, and that's tough. It's it's so hard because, just like I was saying earlier, we have so many different people at, at every church all across America who have different, uh, different ideas of what worship is and different ways that they personally worship God. And for this for this lady. Singing a hymn from a hymnal—that is pure bliss. You know that it doesn't is, get any better. Than that, that is worship at its finest. Um, but whereas for you, you're thinking, okay, how 
How do I relate to the demographics of my area? How do I relate to a culture that is shifting and changing and realizing that, you know, the, the 20s, the 20 year olds and the 30 year olds with young families that are going to be the next generation of the church, they don't want to read and sing from a hymnal. They don't even know what the dots on the page are. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> what is this? Fermata? Why are they wasting all this space? <laughs> They're not even putting it to good use. <laughs> I can't read Latin. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and, and so, so you know, finding that balance, and I, I bet for you, I, I have a, just, just knowing you, um, I have a feeling that when you made that compromise, you you almost kind of probably felt like you maybe had given in, or that it was a defeat or a step back. Oh yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, okay, we got to move away from that altogether. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, we got to get away from this blended service. We need to be moving in the contemporary contemporary direction. Right. But and, but at that time, for that church, it was the right move. It was. And, and I guess what I'm saying. Is that no matter where you're at, you know, if you're listening right now and you're maybe in the same place David's at, or maybe you're in a totally different area, doesn't matter. No matter where you're at, sometimes you need to recognize the value of compromise. You have to get beyond your own opinion yep. and evaluate it in terms of what's good for the whole body. If you're at a church with a, where 75% of the people are 75, then you've got to do music that is going to reach the majority of the people at your church. Right. And, and, uh, uh, again, same same thing you were saying earlier, David. Where there there's uh, a need to look at where your church is at, where your church is trying to go, who they're trying to reach. You know, I I have a friend, a worship um, pastor friend of mine, who they started a church plant uh, two years ago, and and their target audience. They said from the beginning, we want to reach the college age kids and the young marrieds who aren't going to church because, and this is a whole different topic, but there are so many people. Uh, our age, who who are not going to church. They've given up on religion, they've given up on church, and as a result, they've given up on Jesus. And so this church plant started, Coram Deo, started as a direct result to meet the needs. And they said, we are going to do, one of our huge priorities is going to be uh, cutting edge, um, uh, you know, very, very rock-oriented type music. And, you know, my, my friend Scott, he put together a worship band. He hand-selected these guys, uh, and, and they're, the only, they're the only band that plays. They don't have, like, worship teams or worship rotations or auditions or tryouts. He, he basically says, you know, hey, I know you're an awesome musician. I want you to play in my church, and you're going to play every single Sunday, and it's going to rock. And it does. <laughs> like, their music totally rocks. But that's because that's the priority that they saw in their church, to reach that age group. And, and so for them, they recognize the value of good music, um, rocking music, and, and they've, uh, you know, as a result, have had an amazing impact in, in their area towards, uh, towards 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. And before we run out of time here, there's one last thing about criticism, I think, that that's, this is the toughest part, I think, because uh, it requires a lot of leadership. But I think um, when you get you, there are those people that have the gift of criticism, and they're <laughs> they are going to complain about anything they can find to complain about. And if they can't find something, they'll make up something. And if they can't make up something, they will look even harder until they find something else to complain about. We had one of these people in my last church. Um, at some point in time, you're going to have to have a tough conversation with the person and say, "Yeah, you know what." Um, 
I appreciate where you're coming from, <laughs> but we just can't have this kind of criticism anymore. It's really defeating to the body of Christ. And, you know, maybe you need to think about finding a church that is a little bit more what you're looking for instead Ouch. of staying at a church wow. that doesn't have what you're looking for. And and that's, I think that's um, a very hard thing, but a very, it is. it's a real thing, you it's know? A, it's a real thing. And, and unfortunately, you know, I spent wasted so much time with this one person because they were always complaining. They were yeah. always coming in to complain and wanted to talk and talk and talk about this and they were never happy. And if I didn't give them the solution that they were looking for, then then they would go over my head to my senior pastor and complain to try wow. and get what they were wanting. You know, so did, the, did this person ever end up going to a different church? They or? did. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I think, I think they realized we didn't actually ask them to leave, but, but they just realized, you know, this church isn't going where where we want to. Yeah. And, you know, through some hard conversations and hard experiences, they realized that they needed to go. But I think I think that, you know, that should probably be a, a last resort type of thing. Well, not only a last resort, but but something that you don't say without talking to your senior Ex- pastor. Exactly. Maybe your elder or deacon board. Right, to right. all the leadership of your church. You, you don't There's just... a whole lot of legal, <laughs> legal issues that can come in there. Right. You, you don't just on a on a Sunday morning when they come up and say the drums are too loud, say, you know, you should really go to another church. See ya. Yeah. Have a nice day. <laughs> God bless. But um, no, I, I think that's a very real thing. And, you know, I was even talking um, along those lines with my senior pastor about that. You know, just when when is that time when you when you recognize and realize that, hey, that there might there might be a better fit. There might be a better fit somewhere. There are going to be times in our church when we need to make a tough decision and we need to be willing to do that. We need to do it in the right way. In love. In love. In love. <laughs> But the whole body, including this person, will benefit if we're in the right place, if we're serving in the right place. I agree. So those are our thoughts on criticism. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about criticism. No, I, I mean, there's probably a million more things we could say. but uh, There's I, probably like an actual list that somebody yeah. who has a degree in criticism right. has come up with. <laughs> go, go online, Google the word criticism, and you'll find your list. But Google me, doctorate of criticism. Doctorate. I want to know if it exists. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And for for the time being, I think these are some some good ideas, some good strategies that hopefully you can implement with your worship team and in your worship service for a congregation. Maybe that, you know, has the inevitable uh, critical person. So hopefully you got some good info out of this and uh, we'll be seeing you next week yeah if you have some some input you'd like to add to this feel free to go onto our onto our website and add a comment to this episode just add a comment and say here's something that that i've done to help me deal with criticism our website is www.worshipministrycatalyst.com we've also added a forum to our website so you can go on there and if you have something you're needing some other people's advice on you can go and put something in on the forum that's just worshipministrycatalyst.com slash forum and as always we appreciate your feedback we appreciate your comments if you have ideas for future podcast episodes please drop us a line both of our info is on there we'd love to hear from you yeah you can get in touch with us through the contact form on the website or you can send us an email david at worshipministrycatalyst.com or Kevin, Kevin at, at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Worship yeah. <laughs> Whatever we're called. Worship cat ministry. Worship min, min cat. I don't know how to spell. So that is all the time. We're a little bit over, but uh, we'll cut some of that out or something. But, yeah, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye.